Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Game of Thrones podcast. I'm your host, Carmine of Red Team Review, and I'm joined here once again by Preston Jacobs. As always, we are available on SoundCloud and iTunes, so consider joining us on those platforms. And if you do, please leave us a review. It'll help out a lot. Also, leave your comments down below. We may cover them in the next episode. Sorry for the quick intro. Preston, the, the, the fans want to know. Yeah. Did we watch the leaks? And the answer to that is no, we didn't. Telemundo sent us an early review copy, as always. So shout out to them. Uh, muchas gracias. Ah, muchas gracias. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, yeah. So we saw it early, of course, like everybody else. And uh, yeah, we wanted to get on top of this real quick. You just finished like an hour ago? If if not less, probably probably twenty minutes ago. So these these are my my first thoughts. It, often in my first thoughts, I get I get a few things wrong. So um, I mean, just like I see something on screen that I misinterpret. But uh, so forgive us if we if we get that wrong. If we get a few things here and there, but um, lots to is, cover. This though. is our first. Yeah, this is our first thoughts. A lot to cover. A lot to cover. So we were just um, talking about do you, it before do you wanna, we record. Do you want to? Do you want to? Did you want to jump to the ending, or do you want to go chronologically through? Let's let's try to go chronologically because, like I was telling you before we started, so um, there was many leaks on various subreddits, Facebook groups, and forums all over the place. Some of them had things that were correct. Some of them had a lot of things that were wrong. Mm. There was this one guy who had this one thing out, and clearly he had seen some rough cut of the episodes before they even came out um before hell i I think before even the trailers were out and he got a lot of the stuff right but some people were saying you got this wrong this didn't happen and i think it did but they just chose to cut it out once again the right these are like those those leaks of of yeah do you remember when the leaks happened and but one of the things they they listed was that Cersei had a miscarriage, right? And that was never shown in season eight. She never had a miscarriage, and mm-hmm. she just she died. She died pregnant. Um, so I mean, it, it, it could have it could be an actual scene that was later cut because um, I think there was there was a lot cut um, from from what you told me. Well, one of the things that was was cut was that Damon has uh, brand new armor. That we never get to see. We actually see him like ready for battle in this new armor. It's a variation of the armor we see in episode mm-hmm. one, but it apparently looks even more badass. Um, there's also some weird editing choices that even I noticed in this episode. So according to the leaks, um, the scene in this episode where Damon goes to the beach and he's very distraught and he's having like an emotional moment. Yeah. This happens concurrently with Rhaenyra bearing her her, her child. Um, apparently, and this did feel weird when I did see it, apparently, Damon is at the beach, not emotional over the death of his child, but because he just heard about the prophecy, and he's just letting out a lot of emotion on this beach that no one ever told him about this threat in the north. Yeah. Um, I, I want to talk about the prophecy thing for a second. Sure. Um, and and this is my my and you're gonna hear me be a, a broken record uh, here <laughs> and it it's somewhat this is somewhat the case within an episode but it's especially the case between episodes is that they will have great scenes and they will plan great scenes but the scenes are not consistent with previous episodes ma- making making the whole story kind of uh, disjointed. And, and I think the prophecy is a situation where we, we had already established a scene of, of, of Damon being in, um, Pentos and spending 
what what his wife says is 10 years like researching prophecies and histories okay um and then to have in this scene him say prophecy doesn't make any any difference dragons make a difference now on its own if you had if you didn't have that previous scene and you and you had like Damon saying prophecies don't make a difference like dragons make a difference that's a pretty cool line i understand the 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 thematic juxtaposition of like fate versus free will like uh, that that's a cool scene by itself but the problem is that you already had this cool scene of him being a researcher for 10 years um you know going into his history and prophecy and 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 everything before so when you look at the Damon character in the series he's inconsistent and and I, there's, there's a bazillion of these examples. I think Amond is the, is the primary, um, example when you watch this episode and you're like, this is a completely different character from the Amond I just fucking saw last episode. Um, you know, like you have these cool scenes by themselves, but they don't connect to the, to the stuff that was established before. I feel like, um, it, it's almost like, a, a Michael Bay movie where like if you, if you take, <laughs> If you take those those 10 seconds and you slow them down and you, you can say, oh, that's a really beautiful shot. But then you, you throw it all together into a movie and it's a big jumbled mess because you can't have like you can't have every scene be cool. You know, like you can't have every, you can't have maximum awesomeness in every moment because you have to have consistency, you know, and there needs to be build up and 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 all sorts of things like that. And so I'm watching a Damon that's not consistent with again that's not consistent with previous daemons. Like every episode, we're getting a different daemon. Well, to play devil's advocate, um, it's been six years since episodes seven to eight, and you can grow as a person in that time. I, you can, one can. I'm not saying that logically speaking, one can't be a completely different person, but narratively speaking, you need to show a character change. So, so you what know? do you, what do you, what, what, what is your complaint here specifically? You're complaining here that Damon was obsessed with prophecy and now he's not, now he's completely come around off screen to be, to be a free will person. Um, and, and it's not like it takes much. You just need one, one scene where somebody mentions to him prophecy and he's like, you know, I, I spent many years researching prophecy, but then, but then I learned. And then you explain it, and all, all it takes is one scene. But you narratively need to you ne- narratively need to establish that that shift. I mean, one can one can take any story and make that make that argument. Like, oh, people change. Okay, well, I can have any story and be like that. Like, let's say I, I establish that a character is a murderer, and then in the next scene he's super kind and caring, and you're like, well, you know. There was one day between the scenes and in between that scene, he got a phone call and found out that his like mother died and it made him reexamine his life and he had a crisis and he came around and wanted to be a good person. And you're, oh, really? That happened off screen between scenes? Like you can always make that argument that people change. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, people change. But narratively speaking, we're telling a story. You need that beat. You need to tell me. That something happened. Or show us, like, yeah. You know? Yeah, show us that something happened. Um, like, you know, I could have one scene where, where, uh, how about two guys are fighting with swords? 
you know, and, and clearly both guys like do not have any other weapons. And then they're, they're, they're scrambling around. And then all of a sudden a guy pulls out a gun and shoots the other guy. You're like, oh, well, where'd that gun come from? You can say, well, oh, well, off screen, he got up, ran over to another room, grabbed a gun, ran back in. We just didn't see it. Well, I suppose, but you're telling a story on screen. Like, you can't just have that happen, right? Like, you can't just make the argument that people change. Like, narratively speaking, you need to show the change. So it's just so weird because, like, they, they 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 had established that Damon really cared about prophecy. I mean, he's sitting there. He doesn't know about the prince that was promised prophecy. Isn't that like central to the Azora High religion? He doesn't know about the Azora High religion. Like he's living in he's living in Esos, and he's never heard of the prince that was promised prophecy. I mean, does that really make sense? Like he he literally says to her, "What." To continue playing devil's advocate, him not knowing about the, the Zorahai prophecy and all that stuff, that could just be some bullshit fairy tale that people told, that people tell the world over with their own different versions of it, like how we have in our own world with, with some of this crap. And you don't really take it seriously. Yeah. It, it kind of goes over your head that this could be an actual thing. And then all of a sudden here you have, you know, his ancestor, oh, this is an actual thing. This is an actual thing that may come to pass. Maybe. They don't know yet. I guess they they actually do do it in Game of Thrones. In Game of Thrones, they established that Azor Ahai and the prince that was promised were the same are the same person. Uh, okay, and and no one no one ever has confusion that prince that was promised and Azor Ahai are the same person. Um, and th- there's not even that much confusion in in the written material about that. I think there's there's debate among fan amongst fans that like whether the prince that was promised is Azor Ahai, but clearly clearly. All of the characters that talk about these prophecies in both the books and Game of Thrones, the series, believe that the Prince of Promise and Azor Ahai are the same person and that Azor Ahai is a central figure to the religion of R'hllor. And the religion of R'hllor is a pretty uh, big religion, <laughs> you know, like that has... Did they ever even use the word, uh, the, the words Azor Ahai? Was that ever uttered in Game of Thrones? I don't remember. That's a good question. I'm not 100% sure, but you'd think that like, you know, you'd think that maybe second season or something, Mel- uh, Melisandre would, would have said it, right? But, I think I think they've always kept it simplistic and, and used and used Lord of Light and uh, Prince that was promised. Prince that was promised. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, that, that actually even makes it, that actually even makes it worse. Cause that means we're like, <laughs> there, there's no, there's, that means there's worse. no, no. Cause that means there's no disconnect. That means the Prince that was promised is is part of the Azor Ahai religion, a major religion in Essos, a city that Damon spends a decade living in, researching history and prophecy. But I know what you mean in regards to the inconsistency with Damon. Uh, some of the writers have come out and said that they don't understand how the fandom can be so so much in love with him. Yeah, and um, the fa- the fan the fans. I'll tell you this: the fans don't like Damon. The fans like Matt Smith. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Matt, you know. Matt Smith, Matt Smith is super, is super charismatic and people, people love Matt Smith. Okay. But there's nothing, there's nothing contained in the character of Damon where you're like, that Damon, love that guy. He's just, he's just random. He's fucking random. You know, that, so. that, that's fair. But there is a supposedly a scene also from the same league, same guy, very credible person saying how during the scene where Rhaenyra is bearing her kid, Damon is there with her. 
So it, mm. it feels very weird that they chose not to have him in the same room as their child is being, you know, uh, wrapped up and, and all that. Yeah. It's very weird. Did they, isn't it really weird that they changed the sex of the baby for no reason? Did they? I, I thought. I thought the uh, in the books. What was it? Because in, in the isn't show, she it was... Vis- it's Visenia. Isn't she Visenia in the? Uh... Yes, in the show. Right, yes. and then I clearly, I clearly saw dong. I clearly saw a penis on that on that baby. Well, it was a very uh, deformed. Uh, you know, so. Well, I mean, the, the, there. That's he didn't look. He didn't look. So the source material actually like says like scales and shit like that, and and I they they didn't really show. They didn't show a baby. They didn't show a baby that was different from, uh, like re- regularly deformed babies that that exist in our world. So, I'm glad uh, you yeah. mentioned that because you're correct. In the leaks, same guy, same credible source. The 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 the, the child was supposed to have looked like a dragon, like a little baby dragon oh, with like yeah. scales and wings and stuff, kind of reminiscent of of what happened in Game of Thrones with Daenerys. I don't know why they changed it, but there's a lot of weird editing choices, specifically with Damon. He's not supposed to Well, I I will say this um so far and somebody asked one of my one of my fans asked me this question of of Preston, do you think it's really amazing that there has been absolutely no magic um in House of the Dragon? And someone, someone act, I think the same guy asked the same question about that. Like, where yeah. is all the magic? Where's the magic? There's well, there's no magic. There's no magic. Um, I think you're okay like, with you know, that. Put, you, you don't like I'm, magic. I am. I don't. I don't. I I I'm complete. I think it's a great. Cho- I thought it was a great choice for Game of Thrones to 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 pull back um, th- those elements and and make it more real. And uh, House of the Dragon has has done it completely and utterly there's 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 no spells there's no dragon babies there's no one coming back from the dead um you know uh it's i mean other than dragons themselves which are arguably are arguable magical creatures telepathic yeah and telepathic connections with your dragon which i think we've i mean other than telepathic connections to a dragon and dragons themselves like there's no there we have not seen any other types of magic in house of the dragon so yeah, which is you know an interesting choice. But uh, no, yeah. for the most part, the like I said, the editings for Damon's stuff was very weird. It's like they're trying to make him an asshole. Um, he's supposed right. to, he's supposed to freak out and have this emotional breakdown on the on the beach, which we've seen. We we did see like leaked photos of that last year of him on the beach breaking down, like you know, on his knees and having a whole fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was supposed right. to have been because no one told him about this threat from the north it's been kept from him his whole life what the fuck um but instead they Does, yeah doesn't doesn't make right and i say it doesn't make any sense i don't know what and i don't know what it adds to the story that that rhaenyra really was so much the true heir that um that you know she was the only person that was told but the thing is damon really was viserys's heir for a while why wouldn't viserys tell Damon about the prophecy because he was holding off on having a a boy yeah he's holding off on having a boy I guess yeah because of the dream fair enough fair enough 
creates creates that creates that disconnect between the brothers like oh i guess he didn't really love me enough to tell me the prophecy mm-hmm. yeah but i guess we, yeah, weird, okay. weird episode for damon he has some really cool scenes i love him threatening the king's guard that was pretty cool i love how he immediately mm-hmm. takes charge of of war preparation that was pretty good i loved him on the i but they but they stole they stole so much from the other characters i mean keep that's what so, i'm gonna ask you next so so keep in mind that like in the source material and again I, I have to re- reaffirm that like for the most part i like i'll criticize the source material when it's bad um because and there's many moments in the source material that i think are bad uh that that that, that i think house of the dragon is improved upon but um the, the weird thing is because there's so many characters and sometimes there's just one thing like one major thing that they've given to a certain character that's defined because, and because there's so little given that's defined the character in my mind. So for instance, Kristen Cole being the Kingmaker and what he does as Kingmaker is essentially all he fucking does in the, in the source material. Like he's got some little mentions here and there, or like one line about him killing, you know, Joffrey, Joffrey Lawnmouth or, you know, one, you know, or one line about him like winning attorney, you know, um, his kingmaking thing was his thing. It was his defining character as much as like I could have a defining character for, for, for Kristen Cole. And then they stole it and they gave it to Alicent and, and Otto here. You, we took Rainey's defining fucking scene, her defining fucking scene. And we give it to Damon. And then we take Jaceris's defining fucking scene and we gave it to we gave it to Damon, and I was like, "Oh God, they ripped, they ripped the two fucking like best parts of those characters and just handed it to Damon." So, um, so what what are Rainey's and Jaceris's defining moments that they gave to him? So, so Rainey's, of course, in so Rainey's in the source material does nothing for thirty years. You know, she loses the Council of One on One, does nothing for thirty years, shows up at the at the Black Council, and she's the one that does the dragon count and is like guys we got this war because we got the most dragons and she lists out the dragons and she's like this is the state of things we're good and that's kind of like how i saw like rainy's like oh my gosh like she was a big picture calculating person she figured out what was important like she's taking control and being like the military like um doing the military analysis uh, and that's how I always saw Rainey's as like this calculating big picture woman who like can can win the war. And then they took that away and gave it to Damon. And now Rainey's I don't know what she is like the, the entire series. She's, she's uh she's a mother. Mad. She's a mother. She's a, ugh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> she's a mother, except when she's murdering hundreds, b- breaking through the floor. And, and, and you know, um, and then they took just so Jace is the one who comes up with the idea of using other people to ride dragons. And Damon like, didn't really specifically say, like, we'll find other people to ride these dragons. What he said was, we have other dragons here with no riders. He doesn't specifically mention any dragon seeds or any other potential people. Right, but how else would they... I mean, besides, at this point, Reyna, mm-hmm. who else would be a candidate? You know, like... I mean Joffrey, Joffrey and Reyna, but Joffrey's so young in this source, in, in this in this adaptation. Joffrey's so young. Your boy like, Celtigar Joffrey. got mentioned. Oh, I mean, I guess Bartimo Celtigar. You could try, or maybe Corlys, <laughs> you know. But uh, 
you know, if they think that if they think Celtigars, Celtigars, and and Valarians, or um, <laughs> as as George calls the Valarians, the the Valerians. <laughs> Do you know about that? I I try not to remember that. Um... <laughs> yeah, George, George pronounces Valarian, Valerian, and you're like, wait, Valerian and Valerian? Like, yeah, like that's that's. I try to forget <laughs> how he <laughs> he pronounces the Dothraki. Uh, but uh, no, <laughs> Dothraki. I didn't. Yeah. Ryan Condal in an interview with Elio and Linda said that the the Celtigars would be season two. He did. I thought, or they said he said that maybe he just said they were coming. But no, he was here. There it was Bartimos. I mean, they didn't actually say Bartimos Celtigar or Bartimos Celtigar, but then they they called him Bartimos, and then later they mentioned they they mentioned how uh, Celtigar Celtigar in, in the. Uh, and the um uh when talking about who their who who their support is so it's clear it's clearly him well um, we also get you know, a some house mentions too that uh, are like in the vicinity that owe fealty like bar emin uh darklin Ma- yeah, massey, massey. Mm-hmm. yeah so good good day for lore fans of course um uh, of course we can't we can't uh they did they did have the the rainy scoof where rainy says that the high septon crowned uh crowned Aegon. You catch that? Oh, you're the only person <laughs> looking for that. I, I, I don't think anybody noticed. What, what's fu- What's really funny is that later in the episode, they mentioned that somebody else says that only Septon's like, uh, cr- like crowned him. And, and she says the High Septon, which is like, um, really weird, but, uh, that they would fuck that up. Cause c- considering it's Septon Eustace, like, you, like, how are you fucking up and thinking that Septon Eustace is the High Septon, but uh, maybe Ramis is an idiot. I don't know. <laughs> like, why would that? The High Sept, you know, it's like, but it's like the High Septon resides in Old Town in this period. Like, no one would be that stupid. It'd be like someone being crowned in Paris and thinking that the Pope was there. You're like, but wait, the Pope lives in Rome. Oh, nah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But anyway, they fucked up and said that the High Septon crowned, uh, crowned Aegon. Uh, the, the War Table. That is probably the shittiest war yeah. table I've ever seen. You could hardly like oh, yeah. make out what's going on. I thank God they have like names of the several locations printed on it. Right. And everybody was explaining it and putting the markers and shit. Like you couldn't the visuals weren't giving anybody like I think for lore fans, it was really cool that they were sitting there mentioning everything. And for lore people and the people that know the map really well, when they start talking about like the golden tooth and they start talking about, um, you know, geography and stuff, uh, that's cool for, for a cold, for someone that's not a huge lore fan, it would be gibberish. They're just like, I don't know what they're fucking talking about. West of the golden tooth. What does that mean? Well, well they mention yeah. a lot of the major houses, right? So, yes. of course, fans are going to remember the major houses. Um, obviously, we have Stark, Aaron, Baratheon, Lannister, Tully. Uh, Tully. Yeah. Uh, the Martells aren't really a part of the Seven Kingdoms yet, and, so yeah. you can really count them and out. They, and they and they kind of they glossed over the Reach, you know. So. Yeah, Tyrell doesn't really get a mention, isn't that because? Mm-hmm. The, the the lore of Highgarden is like a little boy or a child at this point. I, I think, I mean, the Tyrells largely sit out the war. I think they, they're fence sitters. Um, I, I'll, have to, I'll have to look it up, but uh, specifically how old uh, Tyrell is. But they're, they're for the most part fence, fence sitters during the, uh, during the, um, the Dance of the Dragons. Um, you're right that Lord Lionel Tyrell was an infant and his regent mother, um, uh, 
kind of didn't know what to do. But everybody thought that she was going to align with the uh, the high towers, but then they took no part in the war. But um, I, I do like the strategy involved in the whole war preparation talk, specifically focus on the Riverlands, because the Riverlands, of course, they're right mm. in the middle of Westeros, and you hold the Riverlands, you really hold where armies can move around and position themselves effectively. If you hold the Riverlands and you're against the Starks, you can keep the Northmen from crossing the neck yeah. effectively. Same with the Arryns from the east and the Lannisters from the west. So, holding that is, is fairly important, plus Harrenhal is there where you can move a massive amount of troops and coordinate efforts all over the place and i like that heron hall got a mention i like that these things are, are being brought up people you know got you guys know me i'm a lore nerd and i love this stuff I'm sorry, um i want to i want to know i um yeah no all, all that makes sense and like it makes sense that like you need to send damon to the riverlands because the riverlands are the most important at the moment um you know, it was kind of stupid to send Luke to Storm's End, but I guess Jace got two tasks. He had to go to the he had to go to the Vale and the North. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, or maybe they thought they really thought that Storm's End was in the bag, so they send Luke um, to do the easiest job. But it turns out not to be the easiest job. But um, the uh, um, they stole a lot of scenes from the Maesters that should have been the Maesters, right? They gave. So Orwell and and uh, Otto show up, and they give Orwell's role to Otto. Which, That's right. Why would Alicent trust her father to to deliver terms? Like, why would she do that? That's that's just boneheaded. That's ridiculous. Because the um, fans don't really know or care about Orwell that much. He's just a maester. Um, but I'm eh. just saying, logically speaking, with what you've established in the last episode, like. There's no reason that you'd send you'd send Otto. Like you'd send he would be the last human being on earth that you would send a dragon star. Unless Allison knew that well, first off, you're you're essentially if Allison is smart, she's sending her father essentially to death, and that might be her plan to get his ass out of the way. <sighs> Obviously Allison is not as ruthless in the show as she is in the book. Yeah. But she's sending <sighs> Otto to treat with fucking Damon. It's- who hates yeah. the shit out I of him. I know. It's it, right. Like, why? And the thing that doesn't make any sense, because clearly, like, Alicent wants there to be peace. She wants Rhaenyra. She doesn't want there to be war. She wants Rhaenyra to survive. She doesn't trust her own father. There's no reason you'd ever, ever, ever send Otto. Like, that's just so dumb. Like, it's so dumb. And it's like, oh, we need to give Reese a... a, a, a some lines in this episode like it just doesn't make any sense well they paid him a fortune so um, might as well give might as well get it, yeah. get it worth out of him but it's just it's just really it's really stupid it's really stupid that they sent they sent him and also that the whole ugh, the blocking of that scene's ridiculous why would Rhaenyra land and then walk through the guards of the opposing side like any one of them could have just stabbed her and been like that would be done it's a boss moment you know it's uh, there it is <laughs> <laughs> it's a dumb moment that's that was a really horrible horrible scene it's, the, it's, it's for her to show scene. she's not afraid of them and, and that she can i i know i, I know <laughs> that, that, that's just that's ridiculous it's ridiculous um oh god i hated that um what what what, what are we getting at what are we getting at i mean things were acted well you know you, you got the funerals I, I you know i liked i liked 
Eric Cargyle showing up. With the crown. How do you get um, away? I like the threat. Well, we showed him. He was last seen in the streets of King's Landing um, trying to run off with, with Rainey's. I guess he just found a ship. He, he ran down to the port and got a ship while everybody else was at the uh, was at the the dragon pit. I am wondering, though, if, like, once again, to call back to the same person I've been talking about, the leaker, in his original episode uh, 8, or I'm sorry, his original episode 9 leak, Eric does escape with Rainey's. He's on Dragonback with her, and they escape. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no mention of Rainey's stopping in front of the royal family and threatening them and killing thousands. So I'm wondering if this was added in after the fact. Someone also in my comment section made a very good point about the issues that we were having, you, me, and Trey, last podcast. For those of you who don't know, we did a podcast for episode yeah. uh, 9 with Trey, Trey the Explainer. It's on my channel. And uh, we briefly touched on how Ryan Conville says one thing, and then one of the writers says another thing in an interview. Uh, someone made a very good point. They were probably writing this and doing this during COVID. And it was probably difficult getting together and really coming together on this one thing. Um, and maybe it's the function of COVID and they're not, they're not all in the same room, as you said, like, as you said, and they're doing things remotely um, or just the, the nature of having a different writer for every episode. Um, like with at least with Dan and Dave, they were writing everything. Right. And so they kind of remember what they what they did and didn't do, uh, except for uh, they did do like some major contradictions when they were like years apart. But. I'll grant that from like episode to episode, there wasn't that much variance in character. While here, um, between episodes, it's like we're we're viewing completely different characters. And I think the primary reason is that it's different writers and they're writing them differently. Um, and a little bit of like George, like trying to trying to go back to what George had written. And that contradicting with something that they'd established in the um, in the writing. So I'm glad um, you mentioned George because before we started recording, yeah. you were telling me how you were annoyed with George. What did he do besides not release um, Winds of Winter? Besides, so uh, there's a, there's a few things that uh, at on this portion of of Fire and Blood or Princess and the Queen that that kind of that kind of frustrate me, um, and that's mainly with the with um well it a lot has to do with the Amond versus luke uh scene um but uh a bit of it a bit of it is is he has yeah he has some inconsistent characters and i think i think in in fire and blood Amond is an inconsistent character um and he contradicts himself so for instance this is straight from fire and blood Amond gets his eye slashed out and and he says Oh, it was a fair exchange. Like I lost an eye, but I got it. But I gained a dragon. So he sounds like this ultra cool dude. Like I lost an eye, and I'm gonna keep it together. Fast forward, and this is straight from Fire and Blood. Like he is, he is, uh, seething with anger, and and says to Luke, uh, "You have a debt to pay." And once Luke's and once Luke's eye, all right. Well, you just established that he thought that the debt was paid. He got a dragon. And now in the next scene that we have him, he's saying that the debt needs to be paid. You're, you're contradicting yourself, not only in, in the words being said, but in the character himself. 
what he's cool and collected when he's a young boy, but now he's like seething with anger as 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 an older as an older person. It's usually the other way around. Um, isn't he isn't he a young teenager here? He's a like sixteen, seventeen around there. I would I would chop that up to uh, angsty teen, edgy. I guess, but why as a younger kid was he like? Oh, it was a fair it was a fair trade, you know. I lost an eye and gained a dragon. Like that was, that's, I, I think the Eamon character was just stupidly written um, for, for, from those two scenes. And those two, now granted, the, the big difference between like why Eamon, uh, when he gets his eyes slashed out, is a completely different character from Eamon during the Dance of the Dragons is because they're, 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 in, they're in two different pieces. Like Princess and the Queen was written first and then George went back and wrote and wrote uh, the Rogue Prince, um, and so he he wrote them in at, at kind of different times and in different contexts. And he was trying to fill stuff in. He was trying to make characters look cool, and he made the character making Aemond look cool uh, about being nonchalant about losing an eye. Like w- it was a bad decision when you tr- when you try to have it compared to how he was acting in Princess and the Queen. That's George's fault. Um, George also makes a really kind of, I don't like his retcon here. So, so in the original princess and this, this was eliminated from the show. So you won't see this in the show, but we're, we're fast forwarding to the, like the Luke, the Luke Amon scene. So, and, and uh, I don't know. I, I, the, I, I thought the dragon, the, the dragon fight looked beautiful. I thought it was, there was, I thought that looked really cool. I liked it. Oh, the shot where Vagar is flying right above Arex. Oh, my God. So good. Yeah, yeah. Going through that canyon, I thought that looked cool. Um, uh, I mean, getting ahead of myself, I did not like the walking back Aemond wanting to kill Luke. Like, that's that was just silly. Like, you know, like... Um, all of a sudden, like Vagar, he's not in control of Vagar, and he's like, and and Vagar does it, like. Ugh. So at, at first, like, I thought it was on. silly that even after six years, Aemon still can't control Vagar. But like after thinking about it for a while, it it starts to make sense, kinda, because Vagar is older and larger. I guess you need a stronger will and stronger psychic connection to it, and maybe that takes time to establish. But, like, I didn't hate the change from book to show. I didn't hate it. He's not generic bad guy villain, and I kind of like that. Well, here, here's my here's my big problem with the, with the whole scene is, so, the show has a superior Aemond, okay? Episode 8's Aemond. Uh, episode 9's Aemond, I'm sorry. Episode 8 and 9, whatever, both. Both Aemonds are superior, are superior Aemond. Than, than what is written in Fire and Blood, okay? Aemon being this restrained guy who is focused on being king, reading poetry, a better leader, um, uh, and, a, and you know, a so-called better king, more, at least more focused and determined than, than um, Aegon, is a really interesting take. Um, and I like how they established that. They established that in Young Aemon. They built it all the way up to to um episode nine Aemond. We, we we got a feeling of what the type of character Aemond, that Aemond was. Calm, focused, determined, ruthless maybe, um, but he's there. All of a sudden we we because they had to go back to the book material, you know, they're they're doing checklists, um he's a he's a freaking laughing uh anime villain. 
Okay, in this ep- in this episode, as he is in the source material, like you know, going going into Storm's End and him and him all of a sudden unreasonably wanting to Luke to stab out his own eye and then showing him the the sapphire and then going onto a dragon and killing Luke with all of that is a freaking madman. Okay, and that is not the character that was established. In the previous episodes, that was not the, ca- the the character at all that was established in the previous episodes. House of the Dragon had created a much better Aemon than George R. R. Martin did, and then they had to throw him away in order to in order to fit what George did. And I and I'm just like, if you're gonna if you're gonna do something, if you're gonna make a creative change, commit to the change. Don't don't be half-assed. Don't don't have one foot in one camp and one foot in the other. You know, if you're gut and and that was the problem is all of a sudden Luke goes into Storm's End and it's a completely different Aemond in every in every respect. And so now he's a madman Aemond and wants to kill Luke for for taking out his eye. Gets on that dragon. And then they and then even that, they they decide they they couldn't go all the way and they decide to to go back on it and and be like, oh, he didn't mean to kill Luke. Oh, fuck, fuck you guys. Okay, he he demanded Luke stab out his own eye, and then and and then chased him on an enormous dragon in a in in a fight in the sky. Of course, he wanted to fucking kill Luke. Like that, it was just ridiculous that he's like, oh, Vagar, no, oh, and then is like, oh, what did I do? Oh God, really? Like. The character's all over the map. That was that was a really bad... I think it was a really bad decision. Well, one, I think it was a bad decision to follow George's material too closely in, the, in this situation. But two, like, if you're going to commit, fucking commit. Don't don't go back on it. Reminds um, me of... Uh, it reminds me of uh, the sitcom uh, Family Matters, where Steve Urkel's like, did I do that? Yeah, you did. Right. And, and, and the yeah. whole situation is being memed to death because... <laughs> Because uh, so so yeah, so there's a similar scene in 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 how I how to train a dragon and things. No, like no, that. and how uh, uh, people are saying, wait, wait. So if Aemon didn't mean to kill Luke in that moment, does that mean Danny didn't mean to burn all those people and just Drogon did it by himself? <laughs> Drogon, no, don't burn all right. those people in King's Landing. No, ah, oh, man, yeah. a- absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Now, um. George's scene, like I said, George's scene, I think is, is, uh, I mean, they didn't interpret it how I would have interpreted it or, or, um, and now I have to go through like what George's original scene was and what his retcon is. So in George's original scene, Luke shows up at Storm's End. Aemond is there. Uh, Baratheon is illiterate. So his maester they kept that in there. I noticed that because you 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 pointed that out when we did the podcast. Yeah. Now, the big thing is well, the one difference I'd say between source material and the show is that he, Baratheon seems pretty irate and annoyed before reading the message, and he seems pretty irate after. In the source material, he's irate after the message is read to him, which gives more of an impression that the Maester maybe said things differently and and twisted the words but this is very maester conspiracy they played it down quite a bit so i mean i mean i guess there's 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 some attention you know on on the fact that he yells maester and the maester has to go in but 
he he it doesn't seem like his his attitude is shifted by the maester too much but whatever the case that was the original scene then then you know it a lot of the lines are straight from the source material i'm uh, i'm 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 already betrothed uh, you know and what are you offering me and then the 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 asking for his eye and the debt to be paid and them leaving and and Eamon killing him that's all that's all beat for beat there um between George writing Princess and the Queen and Fire and Blood, George added one other thing, and I'm glad that House of the Dragon eliminated it. He adds, so so Baratheon has four daughters, and Aemon is is allowed to choose uh, one of them, and he choo- he chooses one of the pretty ones, and one of the uglier ones who's clever gets angry, and she goads him, and yeah, and she goads him. Her name is Maris, which is a name that George uses a lot because Maris is the main character of of um, uh, Windhaven, which is you know his his story with Lisa Tuttle about that so much stuff is taken from, like the eerie, the eerie is is and and Sorella Sand, Sorella, and all these different things are taken from that story. But Maris is the main character of that. Fisherman's daughter is taken from that, but um, so Maris goads him and says like, "Oh, I'm glad you know." She says some, some, something about him him not having testicles or him not having balls or something, and that's the thing that makes him go out and and lose his temper and go out and and um, kill Luke, which also like downplays the Maester conspiracy, you know. <laughs> like, but um, unless she's part of it, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, uh, that, it was just kind of this added thing. Like, why would this random daughter be? goading Aemond. Um What does that have to do with anything? And it, it was almost like George just needed a couple paragraphs. He was just trying to fill out material. And, but they, they didn't, uh, they didn't include it. I, you know, it was not in the original princess and the queen. Um, he added it to fire and blood about Maris Baratheon being the person that goads Aemond into doing it. And they, they didn't put it in, uh, they didn't I actually it. like that. George needed to fill in some uh, some paragraphs so he could put an extra ad for the book. I like yes. that <laughs> that YouTuber mentality. But uh, no, I I understand. Um, to me, the way it came off is that Eamon, you know, he acted like he was the anime villain, the final boss. But in the end, with that whole bullshit at the yeah. at the end, it it really sounded like he was just putting hmm. up a front, paper tiger type of situation, you know. But what what did he plan on doing? Just scaring Luke? I guess scaring him. Once again, the meme was that, bro, Vagar, chill. It was a prank. Come on. You didn't have to go that oh. hard. <laughs> That's the meme right now. So I, I guess just scare him. That was the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Now, one one thing, and George didn't even think about this, is how do we even know Luke died? Because they never, um, in the source material... Luke's fate is somewhat ambiguous. They give a few possibilities. One, that Luke is gulped down by Vagar, which is, I think, what they, they pretty much showed here in the uh, in House of the Dragon. I'll have to rewatch it frame by frame. But um, It didn't look... Yeah, I, I've seen it several times. It didn't look like yeah. Vagar gulped him down. It looked like Vagar chomped on him and then just kind of spit out, maybe swallowed some stuff, but spit everything yeah. out like right after the fact just to kill yeah, and so another another idea besides being gulped down is that he fell to the ground and then was washed ashore near Storm's End and they found his body. And then the other is that he actually 
survived, had amnesia, and lived out his life like as a as a as like a fisherman. <laughs> yeah. Where the fuck did that so, one come from? I don't know. It's just written. It's just it. It's in there. Um, let me let me let me let me find. The, let me read you the actual like line. Um, he says. Um, okay. Some say vague. Okay. Arax fell, broken, to be swallowed by the storm-lashed waters of the bay. His head and neck washed up beneath the cliffs below Storm's End three days later to make a feast of crabs and seagulls. Mushroom claims that Lucerius's corp washed up as well and tells us that Prince Aemon cut out his eyes and presented them to Lady Maris on, on a bed of seaweed, but this seems excessive. Some say Vagar snatched Lucerius off his dragon back and swallowed him whole. It has even been claimed that the prince survived his fall, swam to safety, but lost all memory of who he was, spending the rest of his days as a simple-minded fisherman. <laughs> okay. The true telling gives all of these tales the respect they deserve, which is to say, none. <laughs> Lucerius Valarian died with his dragon, Munkin insists. This is undoubtedly correct. The prince was 13 years of age, his body was never found, and with his death... The War of the Ravens and Envoys and Marriage Packs came to an end, and the War of Fire and Blood began in earnest. That's funny. Aemon Targaryen would be henceforth known as Aemon the Kinslayer. That's funny. Um, that's fu- Well, p- that's that's another thing people are... F- first off, everyone's really obsessed with Kinslaying lately, ever since episode 9. Uh, people are saying, well, yeah, yeah, Aemon didn't mean to do it. He's no Kinslayer, and now he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna hold to that. Yeah. I would love it if somehow Luke did survive, right. and then as... Lenor was returning just for a small visit. Uh, he, he passes on Luke. And he's like, oh my god, Luke, what happened? Oh, we gotta get you out of here. Returns back to Essos. <laughs> it's just, they start, they start a club. <laughs> <laughs> of like missing, missing characters who survived. Half the yeah. people from uh, the Dragon Pit in King's Landing who Rainey's was supposed to kill. They used that as an opportunity to go over there as well. <laughs> we, we all made it. We all made it. <laughs> Just looking for an excuse to get out of here. But um, shout out to my guy, Jurgen. He made a very good point about that whole situation regarding the dragons and how they're connected to their their rider. So he says here, if you don't mind, he says, Mm. Amon killing Luke on accident. I feel like there was subtlety to it that people didn't really get. The entire episode, Lucerus was seen as incredibly anxious and resisting. Stuff in Storm's End goes down, he leaves the castle, he walks up to his dragon, who is also clearly in distress, mirroring Luke's emotions, and tells him to calm down. I feel like this was very blatantly the show emulating the emotional bond between a dragon and its writer. Luke is, an- Luke is an anxious mess for all of it, which I believe resulted in Arax mm. lashing out against Vagar out of anxiety. Uh, Eamon, on the other hand, is his usual self-indulging self and was laughing while chasing Arex, was absolutely delighted. I feel like Vagar got caught up in the emotions of, it, of mm. her dragon rider and killed Arex as a mirror to her rider. Same for Lucerus. Yeah, I can now, see that. This, I mean, I, okay, it, it, that's interesting and all, it is. Um, what, the idea is that this, what the subconscious of the, of the rider can affect the conscious of the dragon and but also it seems like the subconscious of the dragon would affect i mean the the conscious of the dragon would affect the subconscious of the rider right like um in ice and fire 
we have like this idea that the that the wolves make the Starks more aggressive or that the dragons make Danny more aggressive. In a sense, you could perhaps like blame the burning of King's Landing on Drogon and not on Danny. You know, like you know that 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 it was actually Drogon's mind blending with Danny that did it. That it was not Danny's fault. Um, you know, because because there's definitely like these uh, you know aspects of like Danny becoming very weird and confident once she has these dragons. Um, oh but yeah. Could, you know, does it happen? Does it happen in reverse? You know, do the dragons take on the subconscious of the of the uh, of the of the writers? I'm trying to think of things in the books that might support that. But um, I don't know. I don't know if there's, there's much. I mean, certainly, you know, I, I, except for me. Okay. The one example I can think of is Drogon returning to the, the, uh, the fighting pits that that seems to be some sort of like subconscious aspect of Danny that calls Drogon like subconsciously, like Danny's conscious mind knows that she wants to be queen of Marine and, and make peace and, um, marry his dar, but her subconscious mind wants freedom and, and wants to escape. Right. So Drogon arriving is him, is him, uh, do, you know, doing the bidding of her subconscious mind. Like, I, you know, I could make the argument in that scene, the dragon acts on, on the rider's subconscious. So that maybe Vagar subconsciously wanted to kill um, Luke. You know, Luke subconsciously was in a fight or flight situation, you know, attacked um, the dragon, that kind of thing. I'm assuming, well, Luke um, Luke had uh, more control over Arax, kind of, than Aemon did. I'm assuming that's because... Ar- Ar- Arax attacked Vagar also out of Luke's control. Right. So one could argue that it was, that it was neither of them. One could argue that if we take away the subconscious links, that it was Arax's fault. Arax attacked Vagar, and Vagar wanted wanted revenge for for getting a flame to the face. Well, I would say. Yeah. Well, oh, by the way, that's not also in the show, which is weird. Um, the dragons, whenever the Greens and and the Black faction being next to each other, they're dragons would sometimes you know nip at each other and spit fire in that direction. That's yeah. not in here. But I would argue that Luke had slightly better control over Arax than Aemon did with Vagar because maybe the size of the dragon matters. It's kind of mm-hmm. harder to control yeah. Vagar because she's so big. Luke, Luke has also been riding longer. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Hmm. But so, uh no, that was yeah. my that was my mentality but, to like you think Aemon would have uh, more control over his dragon, but you know, what what Jurgen here said here was was fairly fair fairly yeah, yeah. fairly it's, interesting. It, you know, I, no, it's it's interesting, and one one can make the argument. If I mean that the evidence of of Danny at the at the fighting pits, I think is is perhaps evidence of the that, other thing you know. people have been uh, um, saying all over social media when this came out is that uh, Viserys he was right back in episode one. Dragons, they're they're a power we were never meant to have. You know, we can't really control them completely. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's. It's one of those, one of those like blanketly obvious <laughs> statements that like <laughs> that's gonna become true. I mean, you know, it's it's like Helena, like ah, oh, I think it is our fate to to desire what others possess. Oh, really? <laughs> you know, people people are gonna act jealous. Really? Oh, predicting the future. <laughs> 
<laughs> we can't we can't fully control dragons. All right. But uh, uh, while we're on the the storm ends scene, um, this is something mm. I was telling you beforehand. So for those of you who didn't watch it in our last podcast with Trey, uh, Preston goes off on this thing about how the the eerie is supposed to represent Lysa's uh, womanly parts. And, uh, yes. <laughs> I don't want to get you demonetized, so. <laughs> and, uh, if you get demonetized, it won't be on my ass. Um, oh, but know. Storm's End. I've been waiting to see Storm's End for the longest mm. time, and we got, get to see it. At first, when Luke is flying towards it, I'm like, is that a watchtower? And no, that's part of the castle. The castle is one. Yeah, that's the, dr- that's the drum tower, I imagine. It's one giant middle finger. Yeah. Or, 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 or one giant penis, essentially, because... Yes. Um, and that's, that's not, it's, 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 that's not incorrect to, <laughs> to say that, like, if you actually, um, ha- look at the description of Storm's End, the things they got right, right, there, there are certain things that they got right about Storm's End and certain things they didn't get right about Storm's End. So Storm's End, yes, is a massive, big tower with a kind of bulbous head at the top. It's compared to a fist. Mm, um, that not look like, like it. Like, like an arm. Yeah, an arm coming up. But yeah, but, you know, in the same, like if you're going to have like a large tower with a bulbous end, like, of course, people are also going to think like penis, right? Um, and then it's supposed to have like an oval shaped like castle around it with like a perfectly smooth wall. And they didn't really have that part. And I think they made the drum tower bigger than i would have thought compared to comically uh, bigger but it's yeah but it's supposed to be like it's supposed to be a colossal drum tower and it's supposed to have battlements at the top and then like a spiked fist is is what it's described like yeah Um, i'm 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 sure when jeff bezos uh constructed his rocket he thought it looked like a fist too but in the end looked like a like a dick right right (laughs) yes um, as does the as does the Amazon logo. What? You look at the Amazon logo. The Amazon logo that they made that, a jo- that's a they made a jo- they made a joke about this in in um in uh, Silicon Valley where like one of the characters who like who's who's supposed to be you know a Bezos clone like does a signature and his signature just looks like a dick. But look at the, I mean, the Amazon logo looks like, not a really. Dick. That's supposed to be an arrow. We have everything from a to Z and that's the arrow. Yeah. But the shape of the arrow and the roundedness of it, like the, like, like it's just like the angle of it is <laughs> helmet. It's ridiculous. Get, get out of here. Stop it. No, I mean, this isn't, this isn't just me. Like a lot of people have said this for a long time that, that Amazon, that the Amazon logo, like, it just it's shaped like it's shaped like a dick, like especially like the underside of a dick. Yeah, guys, let me know in the comments below if you if you agree with that. I I don't. I... No, like the the under yeah the underside your the underside of your yeah it definitely looks like the <laughs> underside of a dick. But, uh, but uh, no, so okay, so <laughs> yeah. storms end. We got storms end finally. Yay! It was very stormy. Yeah. Uh, what else was in this episode that like stood out? Oh, we finally got another uh, baby birthing scene. That's something you. Uh... Well, what's fu- what's funny is that I trashed the show, or I I, I like made fun of the show in um, episode six for not showing the birth, and then they went and they showed pretty much the birth here. Like they showed her like the the head, the slimy head just like coming out um as much as they could. So like, you know, 
I, I, I give them props for that. They, you know, I, I was like hitting them before for not showing it. And, that, and then they went and they freaking just showed it. I was like, all right, you know, that's, uh, that's uh, good on them. Good on them. Uh, I, uh, I, I, uh, I take back my criticisms of, of episode six at the beginning. Like you guys did have, you guys did have the, uh, the balls to, to, to show a birth. And so they did. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a, that was a, a very, you know, carnal visceral scene. I, I definitely felt the pain of, of Rhaenyra in that, in that scene. Um, I don't know why they switched its sex, but a lot did seem to be happening all at once. Uh, which, which was perhaps a bit much, you know, like it seems like within the same day, like Rhaenys is arriving and we've got this birth and then they're crowning her and then, you know, Eric arrives and then Corlys is no longer dying of a fever. Like, uh, it's pretty crazy. Um, what do you think of Corlys's turnaround? It's a good thing, like, Rainey's gave him the reality of the situation, because I thought it was so naive of him to think that he could just sit this out. Because, like, he's married to a dragon rider, and his granddaughter is a dragon rider, who is going to be in league with Damon, who is fully committed to this whole thing. Then you got the biggest fleet in the country. Like, sitting this out is not really yeah. something anyone with that much power, influence, and connection can really do. Well, maybe if you were, like, a, a minor house. Yeah. Or, 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 or you're Dornish. Or it's your tortoise. I, uh, most of the times you can't really sit it out. You really can't. It's very naive to think that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's true. But, uh, um, I mean, Doran Martell is very good at it. Like, you know, pretending he's people on people's sides and demanding more and more and then never doing anything. Um, it, you know, I, this all, like, they kind of have these, like, these, these, big you know changes that they make and then they have to deal with the ripples down down the line like like you know people thinking that Ra- that Rhaenyra might have killed Lenor and Lena is such a weird thing to have shoved in there and now they have to keep justifying like why Rhaenys and 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 Corlys would support her after that and it's it's tough like they have to keep twisting their logic on like wait why why are we supporting this woman if she was complicit in killing our son like uh well, i guess we, uh, we got to they could you know they could just they could just say like for bela and reyna like it could just be that simple but they don't they don't actually do that so well to be fair when yeah. otto comes with the terms he's very generous towards her actual trueborn sons kind of in reality these are hostage terms they'll be hostages yeah um, yeah exactly but uh no they pass over and i'm glad i'm glad they called that out even though he just called it damon kind of said like to be your cupbearer um as if that was like a lowly position but it was more let their hostages like the um so this is from this is from the uh the source material that the, the the terms are almost from the source material verbatim um, where they come and they supposedly give generous terms and the terms are not generous at all. So Rhaenyra is of course queen. And the only thing they really offer her is Dragonstone as a, as the consolation prize. Like, Oh, you can have Dragonstone forever and, and, and be, be the Lord of, be the lord or lady of that well um, isn't that mirror what happened with jaharis and dreamfire arena um no in dream dream uh jaharis just lets her live there 
I mean, I, I guess it's somewhat paralleled, but like, I think in this situation that he, uh, she was she was getting allowed it as a new fief in perpetuity. Rainey's Rainey's just got to live there. I think. I don't know if she was ever, um, if the, if her kids were ever supposed to get it in perpetuity. I mean, I have to recheck that, but um, I think there was a slight difference. But you're, I mean, you are right that there's this whole you know shove them on shove them on Dragonstone kind of kind of aspect of getting rid of your rival. But um, uh. The only thing that Rhaenyra would get out of it is, you know, Dragonstone. But when the whole Seven Kingdoms... And in return, she would have to give her sons as hostages. And, um, I mean, Luke being the Lord of Driftmark, is, he was going to have that before. So she's... And so the uh, I always say that this is another thing, like, if we're talking maester conspiracy, where the maesters screw it up because... Um, Orwile is the one that treats, um, and he, you know, they, you know, there, there's no back and forth, right? Like, and I, I say that, oh, this makes, this makes Cleos Frey like infinitely better negotiator than, than Maester Orwile, who is trained in this, keep in mind, like Maesters are trained in negotiation. And, um, and so... Yeah, the terms offered by the king were generous, Mumkin declares. The princess would acknowledge him as king and make uh, obeisance before the Iron Throne. Aegon would confirm her in possession of Dragonstone and allow the island to pass to her son. No, it says um, she would allow the castle to pass to her son, Jaceres, upon her death. The second son, Lucerys, would be recognized as the rightful heir to Driftmark. Huh. That's weird because Otto says, trueborn sons, Viserys. Oh, so they change. Oh, that's a change for the show then. Yeah, that's a change for the show then. Because in the um, in the uh, in the source material, they, they they allow Jace and and Luke to be to be recognized as trueborn heirs. But uh, it would be Aegon the Younger and Viserys who would be uh, given place of honor at court, the, the king's squire and the king's cupbearer, and then pardons for everybody who conspired. Um, oh, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So I'm wrong. It's like I thought he said. I thought he said Viserys. He says Jaceres. My bad. It's uh, it's tough watching this sometimes yeah. without subtitles. Uh, he says here. Yeah, yeah. It will pass to your trueborn son Jaceres upon your death. Oh, he says Jaceres. Okay. I'm sorry. My that's my mistake. Um. Yeah. And then immediate. You know. Immediately she asks Orwell who Viserys like. You know. Um. Uh, sir, or who, who Viserys named, and Orwell has to admit, well, what was you? Um, so, and then, so Orwell screws it up by get by replying that by reciting the Great Council of One Hundred One, and um, and apparently just like ruined the whole negotiation. Uh, so, like, it was just kind of ridiculous. So, Orwell being part of the conspiracy was always so random and weird to me does orwell have any specific annoyance or grievance with rhaenyra that he would join this conspiracy and just randomly or i unless we're talking maester conspiracy then he's just doing like, yeah, i mean you have you, ha- you have to accept maester conspiracy right well yeah like, if you take in um, maester conspiracy then he's just following otto's lead right. by the way real quick um did you notice that when otto arrives 
at Dragonstone, and they come up and tell Rainier that someone's arrived, that they're flying the banner of a green dragon. They change the, the green faction's sigil from the gold dragon to the green one, for some reason? Right. Um... In the, uh, what, in the source material, uh, Rhaenyra's sigil is the Targaryen's, tar- two Targaryen sigils quartered with Aaron and Valarian. Mm-hmm. And then Aegon II's sigil is, um, the Targaryen sigil, uh, on, uh the, the Targaryen sigil in gold. gold. Yeah. Yeah, cause gold for his dragon Sunfire on black. Yeah. So, a green dragon, like that's that's holy, interesting. <laughs> holy fucking shit! People will not stop complaining about them not being able to see Sunfire. Like, like there are so many people complaining that we did not get Sunfire in the in, in the show. We see him in like in the distance in episode yeah, seven, yeah. but like flying flying away from the funeral, right? Yeah. But we didn't get a, get a chance to actually see Sunfire, and people not stop complaining about this. The, Sunfire is the Snyder cut of the dragons. Everybody just wants to see it, even though <laughs> even though they don't really they don't really know. I mean, let's be honest. Like in general. Uh, plot wise, they should have been showing dragons a lot more. Like we should have been seeing like our characters train with dragons so that we know they're dragon riders, um, flying around a lot more. But we, you know, they 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 clearly have their budget limitations, and the dragons just kind of show up at certain times. You know, when when budget limitations, but at the same time, I also get it. You you kind of want to. Even though we're in a fantasy setting, they kind of want to tone down the fantasy stuff because mm. they tone down magic almost completely. And the ma- and I guess they're also toning down the magical creatures completely as well and only really dishing them out when truly necessary. Now, which dragon do- does it even- when Damon went in to, to see that dragon? By the way, Caraxes looked fake this episode, but all the other dragons looked fucking awesome. Um, but Preston, this was the review copy. It's never polished yeah, on that. Fair enough. Uh, who's the dragon that Damon, <laughs> uh, that, Damon sees at the end? Is that, um... The one he's singing to is, uh, uh Jaehaerys' dragon, Verm- Vermithor. Yeah, okay. Alright. Okay. How, how, how did you find that out? <laughs> Does he... <laughs> how do you think? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> but, uh, like I said, there, there are a lot of weird editing cuts this time around, um... Him just strangling her. Weird, right? <laughs> out of the right? fucking blue. Weird. Like I, I say, I, every episode a different Damon. Every episode a different Damon. People are going to argue that it's it falls in line with Damon, and I, I'm I'm willing to hear that argument. But it, it does seem like a weird decision. Once again, I get that Damon's supposed to be like this douchey bad boy, and he shows his love and loyalties in his own way. But at the same time, uh, they, they, there was some weird decisions with Damon this episode. Oh yeah, and I would oh, like yeah. to. I would like to see what they have to say on that. Because, like I said, in the leaks, he's with her, like, wrapping her child ready for the burial. He's with her. Um, and he only, you know, lashes out and has that emotional scene on the beach after she tells him that Viserys never really considered him the true heir. Right. Because he was never told. So, yeah, a lot of weird scenes with Damon. Uh, but also a lot of good scenes with Damon. I love him getting the Kingsguard to swear fealty to Rhaenyra. Oh, that yeah. was cool. Br- yeah, I loved great, him great on, on the bridge. That was cool as well. Or the walkway. That was great. Um, what else was in this episode? I, You know me. I love the lore stuff. I love the lore talk. 
them preparing for war once again. Considering how gut punch most of the the uh, episodes have ended with, do you think the ending was a, came a little fast and weird? Like I'm like, so glad you brought this up yeah. because people. Uh, I, I, I hit up, uh, our our resident crazy person, Dragon Demands, he hit Mm. me up, he goes, what did you think? And I told him, well, like, the finale really felt like they filmed more episodes, because this did not feel like a finale at all. This actually felt like the real episode nine. Yeah, absolutely. Like, oh, because they're gonna do next week, right. The way they, they end so abruptly, like, I get it, but at the same time, it's just, it, it's right after the fact. Had it had there been like a different music and maybe they just held on it for a few more seconds or something, or she just looked a little more angry, or you know, in the source material she collapses um from the news rather than just kind of like turning around and looking like somewhat determined. I mean, I you know, I don't want anything as cheesy and over the top as no Darth Vader at the end of you know Revenge of the Sith. But, you know, had she turned around and just screamed into the camera and then it would have ended, I wonder if I would have liked that, you know? What do you think? Just her turning around and then she's just calm and then she just screams and goes, nah! and then it just ends. Like, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I'm just saying trying something because her turning around like, and being upset, but like, She's she's there's a lot of things to be over upset about in this episode. Like, like we're supposed to feel like this is the thing that breaks her. You know, like she was she was restrained for the rest for the for the whole. Like she had the she she had a she had a stillbirth. You know, uh, uh, let's start. She she got usurped. She had a stillbirth. She got shitty terms. You know, um. She's 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 gotten some marriage trouble with with Damon. He choked her a bit, you know. Like there's there's a lot of bad shit that she's taken in this. And then the final gut punch: Luke gets killed. I don't know how they find out Luke get, gets killed. Like, did Eamon tell them? Like, I don't. Like, there's no. Like, this is George's problem too. Like, how do you know that Luke died? Like my my assumption yeah. here is that like Luke died very close to Storm's end, like super close to the point where patrols come around and they see it and they inform Lord Boros and it gets back. Despite the fact that we saw them like specifically on like deserted rocks, but okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Um But I needed to feel that this was the like the big straw, the log that broke the camel's back. And now we're going to be seeing a different Rhaenyra, like gloves off, you know, like that's what I wanted. Like gloves off. It's go time. Like that's, you know, that's, but I didn't, I didn't really get that. I didn't really get that feeling. Um, as she just kind of turns around upset. End of episode. Ah, okay. Hmm. It, it ends um, very abruptly. Once again, like I get it, yeah. I, I get it. She's she, she's taken so many hits this episode, and and it's you know, but it really did not feel like the finale. It felt like there's one more episode left, and that's the episode where we deal with the aftermath of everything. And I don't know, maybe that. That's why I was thinking like oh, blood and cheese this this season. No, it's it's this is it. This this is how it starts. So I mean, they could have. I it would have even been a stronger ending had they just ended it with Luke's death. 
and not had the Rhaenyra reaction. Because then you wouldn't even have to worry about how did how did Rhaenyra hear about it? Because you can like say like times past, but like like you just you know you sh- you show like Luke's mangled corpse and Aemond like looking weird about it, and then end, Would you, you know? if if I was gonna end it on 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 Luke's death, I, I wouldn't want Aemond to go oh who's like that face he makes like oh fuck what have I done like. <laughs> I wouldn't. No, I mean then then I would have, you know, him like fly off and then another shot of Luke's body and then it just be the end, you know? What kind of ending is that though? Yeah, and right there. What kind of ending is I that? I mean better better than just Rhaenyra turning around upset. Like mildly upset. Like <laughs> come on. You know what? I, I do not envy Ryan Condo here because how do, how do you end this episode? How do you end this? How do you end this episode? Like I said, I think you needed like some some bigger scene or something. I don't know. I mean, Lena got a montage, right? <laughs> like, yeah, you know, like <sighs> this needed at least two more episodes. Something. Episode eleven should have been blood and cheese, and then twelve. Whatever. This should have been epi- This should have been season two, and then we would have had everything would have been different. So, yeah, <sighs> yeah. But uh, overall, I actually I know I saw a lot of people saying they hated the episode. I don't know why. It, it was a fine. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I wouldn't go hate. No, so no, you no, spent no. the last forty minutes just like ripping this thing apart. No, no, babe. Let's let's let's. But there, there's a lot of that. Look, there, there there's a lot of really great things about this episode, and there's a lot of little bad things about this episode. But there's nothing disastrously bad about I this agree. episode. Okay, okay. On, which is what I cannot say that about a lot of about a, quite a few of the episodes that have disastrously bad things about them. There is. Zero disastrously bad. Everything that everything that we talked about that's that's bad and off of this in this episode is minor. Is is it's very minor. Like characters being characters being out of character, little inc- inconsistencies with previous episodes. It's, it's all it's all it's all livable. It didn't it didn't take me out of the moment too much. It's not fucking beating to death Joffrey Lawnmouth and then having no like no reaction from anybody. It's not just like people dying like right and left at attorney for no reason it's not rainy's busting through the floor and murdering hundreds of people like okay it's <laughs> there, it's there's nothing like that this is a, this was a fine episode it was fine um you know uh, so I, don't get me wrong about like my reaction like you know people are like oh you know Pre- preston seems to hate everything no I, this is pretty good it was a pretty good episode i i, I it was very exciting I, I liked a lot of the, all the performances the the dragon fight was great um i really loved the birth i really loved like yeah damon testing the the king's guard i you know um i liked damon's song Damon's song was cool, you know? There's a lot of cool little scenes here and there. When Eric shows up and um, hands the, the crown yeah. to Rhaenyra and she puts it on, it's a nice nice scene. Yeah, that was a beautiful scene. That was a really cool scene. Yeah, there was a lot of really cool scenes in this. Um, I, I, I do think, in general, the series is very disjointed. The characters are very disjointed from, from, from um, uh, you know... And, and, and you know, we, we, we complained a lot about the Baratheon scene, but in general, though, like... That was a really spooky scene with the lightning and the and the and the and the rain, and you felt Luke's fear when he walked in there and he saw Aemond. I mean, that was that would be frightening as hell. Spe- specifically felt, with like, Vagar, how Vagar frightened... comes up from like the background, yeah. like it's Jurassic Park. Remember in Jurassic Park with the T Rex, oh, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. The T Rex. I love, so I love T-Rex. it. So good, right? No, 
I definitely felt all, and that's the thing. The most important thing is to feel something. And it's like, I felt a lot in this episode with, with Rhaenyra's stillbirth and Luke's fear going into Storm's End. Um, so there was a lot more right with this episode than wrong. I think it was one of the better episodes. I thought it was, I thought it was good. There was nothing, there was nothing. And what I, pr- I'm just happy that there's nothing overtly bad. There's nothing like <laughs> outrageously bad about this episode. So if anything, I'm still um, conflicted on, on how Eamon, uh, how I would have, I re- would have done Eamon in that final scene of him going, Vagar, no, no. Yeah. Like, I don't like, I, I'm, no. I'm, yeah, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done that, but I wouldn't have done, I wouldn't have done it the way George wrote it either. Like I liked the Vayman they created. I would have had a, had a, a more calculating Vaymond, you know? Well, well, like um, I'm back and forth on it because at the same time, like Eamon is not a horrible person, but at the same time, uh, they kind of, pret- then, then have, then have something like build him up and have him lose his temper, you know, Danny mm, style. Okay. I can see that. Like, he having you know, a bad temper, you know, that, 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 that fire blast could have him like all of a sudden, you know, have him lose a temper or something. But uh, I mean, I guess like George did it by having Maris like insult his manhood. But <laughs> you know, but I don't know. Something it was very. It was. It was. He just didn't feel like the same character uh, that we, that we'd seen. Overall, what would you give this episode? Scale from uh, one one to ten. I gave episode uh, nine an eight point five. I thought it was. I thought it was very good. Um, I originally gave episode nine an eight, but but I think I'd probably knock down episode nine having having watched it again and 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 because certain episodes like age differently in my mind and, and and stuff like that. So, I mean, I'd give this episode an eight, but I think I'm knocking down. I think I'm going to knock down last week's from a, from an eight to a seven. Uh, just on on having rewatched mm-hmm. it and everything, but I, I I do like this episode a lot. I think I think it's I think it's solid. I, I'll give it a good eight. Yeah. Also, because people are going to ask real quick before we wrap it up. Um, no, this was not better than Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just have to laugh. Like, no, no, it's and it's not on it's par not. either. The, the, the Thrones not, finale, the way it not. ends, holy shit. Shit, that ending oh, was phenomenal. You you want you want to you want to compare? Yeah, you want to compare Rhaenyra turning around and looking at the camera to fucking the dragons hatching, and then everyone like panning out and everyone kneeling. Like, come on, because <laughs> we because there's always people like that in the comment section who are high on the sauce right now. Relax, take take it easy. Um, House of the Dragons is on par with peak Game of Thrones. No, no, it's not. <laughs> no, no. I will say though, I this I will say this in comparison to Game of Thrones. Though this this wasn't really George's work. It was you know Dave and Dan. Eric's versus no, Vagar yeah, yeah. way better than any dragon v dragon fight we got in in the later seasons of Thrones. Way better. This, oh yeah! This small, oh, like yeah. five minute scene here, where they don't really fight. It's more of a chase, and then one giant yeah. gulp at the end. Yeah. Way better than like the fighting that the Night King did versus Danny. At least I could see most of this, and there were some very cool shots. Oh, yeah. That one, mm, mm. it's look, look, I, I, I and we'll, we'll, we're pro- and we'll do a, f- a full season discussion. I'm down. As well, um, that yeah, um, and and. I also like you have to like look at the incredible task uh, um, that Ryan Condal had 
And I, I look at the incredible task that D&D had and, and like what they achieved uh, for those first three, three seasons of Game of Thrones. Like the, what an impossible task to adapt this material. And like, it's just such an admirable job. You know, like Fire and Blood is like the fact that it's taking place over like 30 years and it's just like something that George R. R. Martin crapped out and didn't really think about that much <laughs> with 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 contradictions and inconsistencies all over the place and and characters just doing stuff. And the fact that like Ryan Condal has weaved it into a uh semi-coherent narrative that like that is interesting week to week that everyone wants to watch that has you know that people are really invested in um you know it's just like bravo like bravo to the writing staff bravo to the whole team i also think this is his first major production i think yeah yeah i mean look i had really low expectations going in but um it's still they greatly exceeded my expectations. The show is not perfect by by any means, but the source material is less than perfect, and it's it, it's much much better than the source material. Um, Game of I mean Game of Thrones first season is fantastic. It's arguable whether it's well whether or not it's on par with George's actual book, A Game of Thrones, which is an incredible book, but. Um, you know, that was also a really, really tough task. And, you know, so, you know, I'm, I'm not one of these people that like, like, you know, bashes these in, like there, there are all sorts of videos where they're just like Dan and Dave idiots, dumb and dumber. Like, yeah, there, there are things they do that, that, that are fucked up and they're, they, and they're, you know, people mess up and people do things, you know, wrong here and there, but then they have greatness too. Um, we're all complicated people. That that can those types of videos are such like low hanging fruit. Yeah, yeah, and and even even we have like in our past have like ripped on D and D at times, but uh, it's not excessive. No, it's not. Yeah, we haven't done it excessively. It's and and these are very talented people that that are are doing incredibly difficult jobs, and sometimes they get, sometimes they catch the lightning in the bottle, and sometimes they fail to catch the lightning in the bottle. But you know, it's uh. They're still creating something that's pretty interesting, you know. So, um, oh, well, you know. at least uh, at least it wasn't Rings of Power mediocre. This is this is this is a pretty good show. At least it wasn't yeah. Rings of Power. But even Rings of Power, if I'm really looking at it, and I'm like, wow, that like all the successes of Ring and Rings of Power on how it looks and and how beautiful it is, like that was pretty. That's pretty impressive that they put it out, that all together, um, you know. So there's there are some things where I'm just in awe that that I mean, did I ever think in my lifetime I would I would see like, a, you know, an adaptation of of a prequel to Lord of the Rings? No. When you told me about it years ago, I was like, what? They're, they're going to redo the Lord of the Rings trilogy? Like, it was just so unthinkable that they would do anything else, you know? Oh, it's a prequel. Technically, we did get a prequel to Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit. Yeah, 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 but like, <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, yeah, you know. the real prequel. The real um, prequel. But uh, Preston, do you mind if we wrap it up here? Sure thing, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we'll see you all next time. Have a good one.